Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. side. It ain't the left side, left side or the right, right side. side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to the On the Fin Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, social media, all of our all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan sided network and finfanatic.com. I'm Brian Kat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. We are continuing to make our way through the different positions here in the 2022 draft here focusing on receivers and there are a ton of them here today so Paul before we get into that here I'm curious because there are so many receivers let's I'm going to start out by asking you this question here the Dolphins pick at 102 and you you have the list of receivers there right in front of you Mm -hmm. out of Everyone in the draft, how many wide receivers would you be happy with the Dolphins taking at 102? If everybody's on the table, there's probably, I would say, about 12 or so, um, of which I think at least seven will definitively be gone. So... When you say seven, do you mean seven plus 12, so 19 total? No, no. I just mean 12 total at 102, of which there's five I, where I, I draw my cutoff line on that 12 after okay. the se- the seventh prospect. So basically, the guys I think will 100% definitively not be there, even if they have a gas mask video surface would be Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jamison Williams, Alave, Burks, Dotson, and Watson. Okay, got it. And then from that point, there are five other receivers that you would be happy with the Dolphins taking a 102. Absolutely. Got it. Okay, sounds good. I wanted to make sure we're on the same page with that. Yeah, my number was 16 that I would be comfortable with. And the reason I bring that up, too, is if, you know, in 2019, 2020, and 2021 in the draft, there were a lot of st- 
steals in the second and third round. I mean, you, you look at 2019, I mean, 2019, you had Debo, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Nicole Hardman. I mean, 2020, you had T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Devin Duvernay. 2021, it, you know, Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore were looking great before they got hurt. So this has been a, a position that has been of great value here for a lot of teams in the NFL over the last couple of years. And another question, Paul, I'm going to ask you too, before we move on to the prospects here is who is one wide receiver in this draft that you seem to like more than the mainstream media does. And one that you seem to like a little bit less for me, it's a toss up between two and I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Calvin Austin. Uh, I really like him a lot. I, I probably move him up a little higher than a lot of people would, even though George Pickens is one that last name aside, I think has a crazy amount of untouched potential. Those are two good ones there. And yeah, I think Pickens now is, has moved up to the point where he's mocked a lot as a late first rounder, mm-hmm. it, but Calvin Austin though, I mean, I think a lot of people have him going late day two, early day three. So uh, suffice to say that that he's one of those guys that you would be happy with the Dolphins taking at 102. Yeah, and, and if, if Pickens goes in the first round, it's going to feel like one of the old school Al Davis picks where he just sees a physical athlete fr- uh, that's freakish that he's going to grab early no matter what. It, it's There are a number of guys that are definitively ahead of him that I think a lot of teams, fan base, and possibly front of, Portions of the front office would riot if they got left on the board and somebody took George Pickens. They would have to sell a lot of folks on that before grabbing him. And I don't see the seven, any of anyone from the seven sliding so somebody can take George Pickens in round one. I just got it, got it. Well, since you threw out two names, I am too. Um, as far as guys I'm further, further down on uh, in the first round, look, I, I think Garrett Wilson's a really good receiving prospect, but I'm starting to see him. I mean, Todd McShay had him projected going fourth overall to the Jets. Daniel Jeremiah had him as his fifth overall prospect in the draft, and that is just way, way too rich for me when it comes to Garrett Wilson. You know, 5'11 and a half, 183 pounds, really smooth route runner, great in and out of his cuts. I get it, but I don't think he plays to the 4'3'8 speed, and I saw a lot of problems with him getting off press coverage for me to consider him an elite prospect. So, and the funny thing is last summer when he was being mocked as like an early second round guy, I thought, man, he could be a real big steal. But now that he's being projected as a consensus top 10 player in this draft, that's a little bit too rich for me. He's actually my fifth receiver um, in this draft. Another guy, a little overrated, uh, for me at this time is, uh, is Christian Watson from North Dakota state. I know a lot of people in our chat have said that they like him a lot. And it's not that I don't like him as a prospect. It's that I like him more in that, you know, third round area as a project. I mean, incredible athlete, you know, six, four, you know, six, four, 208 pounds, ran a four, three, six, you know, 11, four broad jump ridiculous. I mean, but at North Dakota state, I, I didn't see a lot of contested catch wins from him. And he, 
a stat for that PFF throughout is he actually had 40 contested catches over his career at North Dakota State. Only came down with 12 of them. And he's playing against, you know, five foot nine, five foot ten guys who will never ever play on Sunday. So uh, he's he's a six four guy that plays like he's five ten in a lot of ways. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so he's somebody I'm a little bit further down on. Somebody that um, I, I'm higher on than a lot of people is Danny Gray, the receiver from from Southern Methodist. I, I think he's a fantastic athlete. He ran a four three four, and when you see him, um, when he's running his route, when you see him uh, get 10, 15 yards into his route, he starts flying. And I, at Southern Methodist, obviously you don't have you don't have the best quarterbacks in the world, so he couldn't always get hit with that. But I think when he gets into the NFL and he's out there in the perimeter, I think he's going to win a lot of those of those matchups out there. He kind of reminds me of Deami Brown from last year as a prospect. I actually think Gray is a better athlete, and I think he can get deeper and do more damage in the NFL if he gets with the right quarterback. So Danny Gray is actually somebody that's among my top 10 receivers. Yeah, and, and one thing when I look at the wide receiver class, and especially based on what we've seen that uh, Mike McDaniel likes, is if you run a 4-5 or slower, you better be 6-2 or bigger. <laughs> it's just, you know, if you're 5-10 running a 4-6, you're not really a fit for what it feels like Mike McDaniel's trying to do. The interesting thing for me is the fact that the way we've be- rebuilt the wide receiver room, I know I've talked about it a lot. Last year, the year before, it's I was very excited at the idea of taking and building a wide receiver core with a bunch of those little guys with speed. I know I've talked about a lot of them over the past couple of years, but those little speedsters, because a lot of defenses are built around what folks in the NFL are doing today. And there aren't, uh, it feels just cliche, but NFL teams are like, all right, we need a decent slot guy. Yep. Check. Okay. Now we need a little burner on the outside. Anybody check. All right. Now we need our big body Devonte Parker style wide receiver to win all those contested catch situations. All right. Check. So defenses don't have now. And this is why I like Calvin Austin as an example. And I know I, I mentioned him already. It's he is a fast athletic guy that can, he wins, he wins more contested catches to me than, than Christian Watson, who you brought up. And he goes up and gets the football and he gets open and he's that guy that you need to put your, I cover the speed guys corner on. You can't do that yeah. in Miami. Like if you go to a four wide with <laughs> the cheetah, the penguin, Cedric Wilson and, and, and Calvin Austin, the third, you don't have the personnel on your roster to cover that. You just don't. NFL teams don't, and they're not going to build their team just to face Miami. They're going to build their team around what the rest of the NFL is doing, and it's hard to set yourself up for that many speed guys. And, and, and that's where yeah. it really starts to get exciting. I mean, and you asked about guys I'm down on, and this is one that's probably going to hit a little more close to home because of the fact that we're a Dolphins-themed show. And there's a lot more fans of the U on here. 
but Charleston Rambo, I, watching footage of him, I was shocked when I saw his 40 time was as fast as it was because he just looks like a slow guy that can't separate when he plays. And he just doesn't look like somebody that's going to cut it at the NFL level. And I literally just drew a line through him on my list. Okay. Okay. I, I probably liked him a little more than you did uh, on there. I'm not, he's not anywhere at the top of my list or anywhere close, but, uh, and actually what's interesting about Rambo is, is one comparison. Um, a Dane Brugler, uh, put the beast out this week is it's an incredible guy. He actually compared him to Cedric Wilson, uh, for the dolphins. And he doesn't do a lot of comparisons. Um, I don't know. I, I, I see a little bit of it. I think Wilson's bigger. I think he's more talented. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rambo's Faster. not something I, I would, eh, I, I, maybe, uh, but I, I thought Rambo, I thought Rambo could separate a lot, uh, a lot better than I thought when, when I saw his tape. So, and I, I, I liked him more at Oklahoma than I did Miami. So yeah, We'll see. He's, he's somebody I wouldn't I wouldn't think about until the late rounds. I mean, and and wide receiver is not a big need for the Dolphins. I mean, it's 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 not anywhere I've, to me in the top three or anything like that. Because if you could, the Dolphins can easily go into the season with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson, and then you've got Lynn Bowden and you've got Preston Williams as your fourth and fifth guy, and then you have to account that Kasicki's basically a wide receiver. So you can go into the season with this exact unit, not only would it be respectable, it would be one of the best in the league, but the dolphins could also use some depth pieces too. Yeah. And, and, and one guy that I do like as well uh, a lot, and it's nice to see him climbing up draft boards, even if it means that he's not going to be as, as big of a chance of steal as, as I expected is sky Moore, um, out of, uh, Western Michigan. He's one of those little fast guys makes a lot of catches. He didn't put up tremendous stats in college, but you know what? He, he, he took a few runs. He can run, he can catch the ball. He can come in and play any of the three positions. And he is a fun guy to watch. The other one that I'm curious about as well. And it's somebody that too has got a little familiarity with is John Mechie uh, out of Alabama. He basically came out earlier this off season and said, put me and Waddle back together in the pros. Let's go. Absolutely. And, uh, just piggybacking on those two guys, Sky Moore. Yeah, he wasn't incredibly productive up until this past year, but then 94 catches, 1,283 yards uh, for Western Michigan. And the most important thing is, and if he starts, he's likely, he's, he looks like a solid second rounder at this point, could slip into the back end of round one. I doubt it. But if he starts go, falling down because of the level of competition to the third round, the Dolphins could start getting really interested in him for one reason. He led college football in broken tackles last year with 26. I mean, you want to talk about yards after catch and what the Dolphins have been looking for this offseason? Sky Moore certainly brings it. Uh, a comparison I've seen many times is Golden Tate because he's got that thick lower body. I actually compare him a little bit to Wes Welker because Wes Welker was so fast coming off the line of scrimmage and then would run such precise routes. Uh, I, I think Sky Moore fits that bill a little bit. Um, I actually have him over Javon, Jahan Dotson, Pickens, Watson, and uh, and Jalen Tolbert. So he's somebody I'm really high on. Um, but, Paul, before we get too far into that, 
there are five players like you talked about that are projected uh, first rounders. It'd be a pretty big surprise if any of them fell to the to the second round. That's Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama, Drake London, the receiver from from USC, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave from Ohio State, and Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Those five guys, if you had to stack them, one through five, how, how would that list look for you? I would probably stack it a little different than than what a lot of folks are. I'd actually put Jamison Williams right at the top of the heat. That's, um, that's my boy. There we Drake go. London second, Garrett third. Olavi is almost a 3B for me. Um, he's that close in, in fourth there. He is so much fun to watch. I mean, and, and then... Traylon Burks is one hell of a consolation prize out of that pile. He could be a number one receiver in a lot of years, but just the receiver position is very deep yet again this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm with you on that with Jamison Williams. And I think that's starting to catch some steam. I mean, he tore his ACL, you know, late in the college football season. Yeah. He was a transfer from Ohio state. Couldn't beat out Alave and um, Garrett Wilson. So he just went to Alabama and became one of the best receivers in the nation. I mean, uh, I, when I look at him, I see the second coming of of a Deshaun Jackson. And I know that's a cliched comparison, too, but he is so fast at every level of the field. I mean, he he, he catches a five-yard pass, and he's off to the races. Um, uh, but as far as a deep threat, it's not just about being fast in the NFL as a receiver to get deep and make plays consistently. You have to combine that lethal speed with great nuanced route running. And Jamison Williams brings both of those things to the table. Uh, even if the first year is a wash, I mean, Jamison Williams um, just turned 21 a couple of weeks ago. Even if the first year is a wash, you're going to have four more years of him on a rookie contract. I think that's worth it for anybody. You know, every, there's not a lot of, Top end talent at the top of this draft ball. After for me, after it may maybe like the Aiden Hutchinsons and the Evan Neals, there were five or six guys that I would put at the top of this draft. If Jamison Williams didn't tear his ACL, he would be up there for me. Yeah. Um, and I still consider him a top ten player in this draft too. Another one that I think would be a lot higher ranked would be Wandale Robinson uh, out of Kentucky via Nebraska. He's everything about him jumps off the page except for his height, but he gets enough separate. Now height isn't as big of a deal if you can get separation and he gets separation. He's elusive. Uh, I think he had what 140, 150 carries out of the backfield in his career, averaging five yards a carry. And that's the, that's just as from the running back position. Um, I mean, it's his receiving was phenomenal. He had 10 receiving touchdowns in his three years. He had four rushing touchdowns, um, almost 3000 scrimmage yards. And he's a guy that moved all over the place. And that that's something that, again, I keep beating that drum, but we finally have a coach that can adjust on the fly and, and make utilize or utilize the skills and talents of these players. And he could come in and be a Swiss army knife that could do a lot of things. And he's going to be hard to see behind the line of scrimmage. If he takes a reverse. Yeah. And like you said, he went to Nebraska before in 2019 and 2020, he played for Nebraska. But if you combine his past three years for Nebraska and and Kentucky, he, 
had almost 700 rushing yards uh, mm-hmm. in, in all three of those years. And this past year for Kentucky, in his only year, 104 catches, 1,334 yards. So uh, one thing that I saw the separation, and yeah, he's not the biggest dude, yeah. um, but I saw the separation. I didn't see the long speed out of him, and that was a little bit surprising for me. So uh, he's somebody that I, I would look, I would tolerate a little bit more in the fourth round. I don't have him on my list here of uh, my my 16 receiver get receiver press hooks, but he's not far off after that. Um, I, I, but, I could make do with him in, in at pick one Oh two. I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. I I'd be a little underwhelmed. I, I, I'd prefer more in the fourth round. If at all, he probably wouldn't be one of my top guys there. I, I, I see more of a fourth, fifth round type guy, but I get it with him. Um, uh, Khalil Shakir, uh, Shakir is one of my favorites from Boise state in this draft. Um, he is purely a slot guy but he is a master of his craft, great route runner. And then I think he surprised a lot of people when he ran a four, four, one, and he tested out very well athletically. I, I think he's somebody who kind of falls in that um, group of players that have been, they could just naturally separate. They can, they can run routes well and their long speed is underrated. We saw some of those guys like Darnell Mooney and Deontay Johnson over the last couple of years. I think he fits kind of that bill there with him. Um, John Mechie, you mentioned, and yeah, I mean, Mechie would probably be a solid second rounder if he, if he hadn't also torn his ACL, but um, I, I think he, he's, he's a phenomenal route runner. I keep going back to that with a lot of these guys here with, you know, Mechie with, with, uh, with Shakir, uh, Kyle Phillips from UCLA is also kind of that slot machine, great route runner. So if you're looking to get somebody as that third and fourth guy and not spend a lot doing that, I, I think this is probably the draft for any team to do that. It is. And, you know, there's a handful of guys like David Bell who I really like, but he just he ran too slow for me to feel comfortable with him as a prospect for this offense. Um, one guy that we haven't talked about is Bo Melton. Um who out of Rutgers, he, he's not the biggest guy again, but he ran God four, three, four in the four in the, yeah, and that surprised me. He jumps like he he's smooth and that's where it looks slow. It, it's like you watch some of these speed guys when they get in the open field, they're so smooth. You don't really realize how fast they're running till you watch everybody falling behind them. Um, and it's funny. one of the scouting reports on him, they actually said Tyreek Hill has proven in the NFL that speed kills. And that's something that Bo Melton does a tremendous job of utilizing to get open on a play in play out basis. So he's somebody that could come in and be that fourth guy. And, and, and that's, what's fun about some of these developmental guys in this draft. Some of these younger guys that have the athletic ability and haven't put it all together. We don't need them to be the guy right away. It, not even a little bit. And, and that's where, They'll get their opportunities, but they're not going to have to step in and be an impact player right away. That's the fun thing with our roster, too, whether it's wide receiver or any position. We've hit the point now with this roster, especially after the Morstead signing the other day, where we don't have true needs anymore. We have positions that it would be nice to upgrade. And there's some that, you know, need to shake out. Like, I think they're moving Robert Hunt back to right tackle and right guard and all this other stuff, areas we'd like to see improved. 
But again, this is a luxury of being able to take best available, which may be a wide receiver that needs a year or two to develop. Yeah, I mean, after the Dolphins got Tyreek Hill, I said they could legitimately take this roster into week one of the season. It doesn't mean they it wouldn't be nice to add another player to, but when you're talking about, you know, like Elandon Roberts and Duke Riley big, being your biggest hole at linebacker, I mean, how many games did the Dolphins lose because of those two guys? Not many, if any. <laughs> I mean, you look at Michael Dieter, who when healthy proved to be a serviceable center last year, and uh, it would be really nice to get a right tackle to keep Hunt at right guard and make sure the right side of that line is solidified. But you can always move Hunt over, and uh, you know I, I I don't think the right guard position, especially in this offense, is going to end up torpedoing your season. So no, we've got a lot of really good potential players fighting for one for for right now the equivalent of one spot on the offensive line. Yeah, and so now third, fourth round, the Dolphins can look at the best player available uh, type of guys, and wide receiver could fit in there. So Paul, the way I've got this really tiered up here is, you know. As, just kind of taking the Dolphins out of the equation, how I look at the entire draft. In the first round, I've got that first tier, Jamison Williams, um, uh, Drake London, uh, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, and with, with the final three guys, Wilson, Burks, and Olave, really, really close. Then after those five, I've got three second-round prospects. That's Sky Moore, Jahan Dotson, and um, and George Pickens from Georgia. And then after that, I've got a hodgepodge of, uh, I mean, let's see, four, five, six, seven. I have eight guys here that I would feel comfortable taking at pick 102. And that's in, in, this, in this order here. And very little separating these guys, too. Um, I've got Austin, Galvin Austin, I've got Shakir uh, next, then Danny Gray, which is my guy that I'm higher on than everybody else, and then I've got Christian Watts, and then I've got Jalen Tolbert. So I've got them, gosh, 13 and 14, then John Mechie, then two other guys that I want to talk about too. Uh, Justin Ross from Clemson is somebody who, when I look at him, I can't tell if he's a big, slower X receiver from Clemson. Or if he just makes everything look effortless. Now, he didn't test out all that well, ran a 4.64. There was also word, too, that he didn't really train for that event either, which also, kind of, I guess, kind of forgives his slow 40 time, but also says, well, why weren't you training for the combine then? So he's somebody that, um, after 2019, I mean, he, he was supposed to be a top 10 pick. He had a neck injury. He's had a few other injuries. He's had, he's had a few other problems. But if you're talking about somebody kind of like with Devontae Parker can roll out of bed and be a talent at his size and with his movement skills, maybe worth the risk at the end of the third round, at least for me. And then Alec Pierce um, from Cincinnati, somebody that, um, I mean, blew everybody away with his combine numbers. Runs a 4-4-1, 40-and-a-half-inch vertical leap, 6-3, 2 Solid route runner, uh, comes from a family of all athletes, somebody that I, I would I would certainly like at pick one of two there too. Um, but not not somebody who's is who's really taken over games 
for the Bearcats either, uh, even though he's had a first round pick as a why as a I mean a potential first round quarterback in Desmond Ritter, um, but still a solid overall player. So that that that's kind of how I round out the rest of my list for one hundred two. So one thing I'd actually want to go back to real quick, and, and this is something I forgot to mention before, and it's one of the things that made this player jump off the tape for me. You don't see receivers typically put up big numbers on the bench. And typically if somebody puts up big numbers, it's like Christian Watson out of North Dakota state at six, four, two Oh eight, throwing up 18 reps. It's somebody like Isaiah Weston out of Northern Iowa, six, four, 212 pounds, threw up 20 reps on the bench. But there's a player that fell exactly in between those two. And it's somebody I talked about already. And at 5'8", 178 pounds, Wandale Robinson threw up 19 on the bench, which is insane. There were, I think, God, we were talking about tight ends that couldn't match that. Yeah, We're talking about linebackers periodically that can't match that. And for somebody that small to be that compact and powerful to go with the speed that he has and the short area quickness, which you saw shown off in the shuttle drill for him. There are a lot of fun things I think that this cat could do. And I think the surface only got scratched in college. So he's one of those guys that maybe not in the third, even though I wouldn't be upset, but if he is, if he's there in the fourth and you didn't take a wide receiver at one Oh two, He's worth investing a pick in to to try to develop and see what you can do with him. His whole workout baffled me because he was listed at Kentucky at 5'11", 185. And then colleges lie about height and weight. I I mean, and then he, I mean, he he was barely 5'8 at the combine, which blew my mind. But also, too. He has the arm length of an infant. He's uh, uh, with 27 inches, and that is far below anybody else that was there. Um, but if you're open, but, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I think it does matter. Um, but, but the thing is with Wondell Robinson is I, I, I think if he, if he were on this team, he'd be getting a lot of, of his catches in the short area. He wouldn't, mm-hmm. be, he wouldn't be out 50 yards downfield extending, trying to extend with his baby arms to, to, try, to, to try to come down with the pass. So, no, I fourth round. I think I could stomach that. I mean, I, I, I probably a few other guys on the board that I'd like better than him. Probably at other positions too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I a few other guys that really kind of jumped out at me too. They're at least interesting. Velas Jones from Tennessee mm-hmm. is somebody who's been in college football. I'm not joking for six years. He's one year short of the Van Wilder plan here. <laughs> His first game for Tennessee was in 2016. Adam Gase's first year with the Dolphins. That's how long he's been in college. Uh, played four years at USC, then played two years for Tennessee. I didn't even know that was possible. So, uh, but this past year uh, had had over 800 yards receiving. Started to look in the parties more of a strictly a vertical guy, not a lot of side to side wiggle, but also great return skills. And if you're looking for somebody who could be there in the seventh round, I think Velas Jones might be that guy. And the reason I think he would would fall because he's going to be almost 26 by the end of his rookie year. So you're talking about really a one contract guy. So who who was who was the 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 quarterback 
um, I think Cam Cameron took him, who <laughs> was like 26, 27 years oh, old. John Beck? Yes. Yes. John, Beck, John and Beck. Nothing compared to Brandon Whedon back in the 2012 draft. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. He's 29. He's going to come in and dominate right away. And then he comes in and is like, oh, no, this guy's got things to learn. It's like, <laughs> well, we, we don't have time for that. So uh, it's <laughs> um, uh, a few guys. I, uh, one guy, I'd stay, Taekwon Thornton, I know he ran out of the building from Baylor, 6'3", 182. I was really excited to watch him, and I didn't like what I saw. I saw a, a guy who could do one thing, run very fast in a straight line. Doesn't well, have he, good can, he can play badly very quickly. Yeah, I mean he, I mean he had almost a thousand yards for Baylor last year, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard not to in that conference. Um, it, so a, a, a comparison I saw was Tyquan Underwood uh, from several years back. I like that comparison a lot. All he could do is run fast in a straight line, and like I said with Jamison Williams, that doesn't work in the NFL. You need some route running ability to combine with that. Um, there's a reason why John Ross hasn't worked out in the NFL, even though he's the fastest player in combine history. So I'd stay away from Kevin Austin from Notre Dame's fascinating because he came to Notre Dame as a receiver and he was a big recruit. He was a big deal. Uh, he caught six passes in his first three years. One season he was out for the entire year with an injury, but he got back on the field last year and put up almost 900 yards receiving for Notre Dame, which is a big deal with Notre Dame because they don't throw the ball all over the field. So somebody there in the seventh round who would certainly fascinate me. Um, yeah, Paul, we've gone through a lot Eric, of names here. Eric Ezukanma, I don't think you've mentioned him yet from Texas Tech. He just barely meets my requirement that I put forth at the beginning of the show at 6-2 for running a sub 4 five forty, And he's somebody that it's been surprising to me that he's unranked let alone behind some of the guys that are in front of him because there's a lot to like even though he's not somebody that put up close to a thousand yards he's not somebody that put up a hundred catches but he's somebody that uses his body well and it is a lot of fun to watch if you pop on that texas tech tape uh that, that was a tongue twister the other guy yeah. that and this is going to sound horrible i didn't love him when i watched his tape but i'm kind of rooting for him and this is one of those just old school just crappy guy moments when I say this. I want Ty Fry Fogel to do well. And the reason for that is I want to listen to people just rave about Ty Fry Fogel because the name just kills me for the next 10 years. It, it, it's it's one of those, it's kind of like uh there's a college receiver that transferred named or a college defensive back that transferred that's not coming into the draft this year, but he's a, a pretty good defensive back named pig cage that just transferred uh, i think today uh via the transfer portal and he's another one that just based on the name alone you got to root for the guy uh if i entered the witness protection program ty freifogel would probably be my name that's <laughs> that's that's how i look at it um but uh indy yeah he went to indiana and he was he had a, a a string of really good games against michigan michigan state and ohio state he was very productive last year at that time when, when Indiana was starting to really sneak up on people. So I, I've got a lot more to look at with him and as well as the Texas tech receiver too. I I've, I've seen bits and pieces here and there, but that's something I'll be digging into a lot more here over the upcoming weeks. Um, it, also to, uh, you know, one guy that's, that's dropping like a rock. And I understand Dontario Drummond 
from Mississippi. Uh, didn't run well. He ran, I mean, close to a four seven. I, I view him as a very powerful slot receiver. Lance Zerline had a great comparison for him, uh, Quincy Anunwa, who I thought was turning into a really good receiver for the Jets as that powerful slot dude who couldn't separate very well, but was just as a good enough route runner and was really intelligent and very productive. I mean, somebody who had over a thousand yards here uh, for the rebels last year. Um, If he's there in the seventh round for the Dolphins, somebody I would certainly take a look at. Um, But yeah, I mean, Paul, there's a lot of guys and just going back to, to, you know, Calvin Austin again, one thing that blew my mind with him is, um, or two things really is a lot of guys. When you look at like Calvin Austin, you think that okay, do you put him in the slot? He's a kick returner. He's a gadget player. Blah blah blah. No, Calvin Austin won from the outside for Memphis. He his snaps last year for Memphis, over ninety percent of them were out there on the boundary, uh, at his size, and that speaks to how well he was able to hold up against those big boundary cornerbacks. And in addition to that, I couldn't believe it. I've, I've never seen a guy that's just under 5'8 who had a broad jump of 11'3". Like, those are for long-legged dudes like Christian Watson. 11'3 for a guy who's 5'7 is absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, and if, if he were there in the third round, I'd be all for it for a couple of reasons. Number one, he could be immediately a great returner for you. But secondly, if the Dolphins get themselves in a position where, heaven forbid, Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill go down, you put him in there, and yeah, you're not going to get the same player, but you may not have to replace re- replace the speed element of your offense. Yeah, and one other guy I meant to mention earlier and I hadn't yet is, is Reggie Roberson out of SMU. Uh, he's somebody that may be there undrafted uh, that Miami can take a look at there. He's not the biggest guy. He does break my rule. He ran a four five three, um, but he's That's explosive. Terrible, he accelerates well. Uh, he tends to get open. He makes plays happen, uh, and, and and really, he's somebody that may need a little bit of time to get where I think he could be. But he's got the athleticism and ability to make big plays out where they don't exist. And that's something that, you know, I really, really, really want to see him potentially get signed as, as an undrafted free agent and come into Miami with zero pressure on his shoulders, kick your boy, Isaiah Ford out of the fold. And and I think in a, a couple of years, he could be somebody that gets on the field, especially as your third or fourth wide receiver going up against, your dime corner for the other teams and making an impact with the other guys that are going to be around him. You bet. And so Paul, we've gone through a lot of names here and just any passing thoughts uh, uh, that, that are coming to mind here for me is I I look at Traylon Burks as just one of the more interesting guys in the draft. He's not going to factor in for the dolphins, but when I when you when I, I started watching him for the first time, I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking for like a Devontae Parker clone. I could not have been more wrong. This is a guy that was moved all over the field, got handoffs, played in the slot. I mean, his play strength is unreal and his wingspan, I mean, what is is 
I mean, it was absolutely insane. It, it, it was 79 and 1A. So uh, actually not, not as wide as I thought it would be, but it is arm length. You're talking about 33 and a half. I mean, but that, that matters because if, when that ball goes up in the air, you see how many of these passes just go off the fingertips of these receivers. That's not going to be the case with Traylon Burks. But the other side of it, too, is because they moved him around so much, he didn't have to be any type of route runner. Where when you look at the other four guys in the first round, uh, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, they're outstanding route runners, especially Drake London for his size. I mean, Drake London here, I mean, he, he got hurt for the year. Uh, what, eight games into the season for USC. He didn't even complete his eighth game. He had 88 catches for 1,084 yards. That is insane. And if he had finished the season, I think we'd be talking about him clearly as as a top 10 lock. He still may go top 10. Um, also, to Jamison Williams, I keep going back to this, and a question that I threw out last week is, would you, in any situation, if a player fell to pick 33, trade your first-round pick next year for that pick? My answer was no, and overall it still is. If Jamison Williams ended up falling to 33 because of his injury and because he may not be available for most of this year, that would be something for me to think about uh, on there. But no, I don't think it's going to happen, and no, I don't think the Dolphins will do that. Yeah, and I mean... What I would say, though, too, is anybody that we've got as a probable round two, I wouldn't be utterly shocked if Greer was in love with a prospect and they were sitting on the board and it didn't cost him a tremendous amount uh, for him to take a swing. I mean, Miami's got a lot of draft capital for next year, and it would not shock me to see Greer take a swing to really hit this wide receiver core over the moon. if, if the guy that he would like is available. Uh, one thing I thought about, too, when you were talking about the eight games and the ridiculous stats was in the how good is this guy department. I still remember week 15 or 16 this past year was watching one of the Dolphins games, and they ran a graphic about who's the best running back in the NFL, and it showed the top five guys. And sitting there firmly at number five, with what seven games at that point plus three plays was Derrick Henry. And like everybody else had played a full 14, 15 games at that point. And Henry was still like right on their heels. And that's 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 kind of what it feels like with those statistics we're just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. a couple of quick questions that we got in the chat here, just while we're on it. I wouldn't be shocked if Miami takes a shot on Ruben Foster. I don't know about you, Kat. Uh yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I I think they probably would have signed him already. And you, you got to keep in mind, too, that the Jets and Jaguars worked him out last year and didn't sign him. So mm-hmm. he might be yeah. a rainy day prospect for them. Where, yeah, I mean, he, I, I'm not. I mean, he, he's been he's been a terrible human being for a long time. Um, <laughs> so I think he'll let he'll let people down again. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I think it would be a little exciting if, if, if they brought him in because, again, you know, I look back at the 2017 draft. He was one of my wow guys and to the point I was willing to dismiss the off-the-field stuff. But I've, I've been known to do that before. So that's yeah, blown up in my face many times. I, I, 
I do want to check out, touch on one other quick thing I saw in the chat from uh, Toby. It's I understand Miami's got a lot of wide receivers under six foot, and the traditional thinking for an offense is, you know, you get one or two of those guys maybe and, and, and roll with it. The traditional thinking for an offense is also if you're running a dive play or a counter play, you hand the ball off. Uh, the traditional thinking on offense is you don't change a lot of your motions and shifts and indicators on a week-to-week basis. Mike McDaniel does not do traditional when it comes to the offense. He will pitch the ball on a dive play or a counter play. He will literally take the motions and shifts he used the week before and completely change the plays he runs out of those um, on a week-to-week basis where he had to teach Shanahan and the other guys out there in San Francisco the plays on every Wednesday and what the play calls were and what the shifts and motions were for that week and spend four to six hours locked in a room with those guys showing it to them. Um, And if you continue to think traditionally with what McDaniel's trying to put together here, you're always going to be a step behind what they're doing. I'm not saying they will go with another receiver under six foot, but you cannot count that out heading into this draft. You absolutely cannot because they don't care about traditional. Well, I, I understand the point. He's trying oh, to I do make, too. Uh, you know, it's, uh, um, we have to also have to keep in mind, you know, they've got five tight ends on the roster here who are over six foot five, you know, mm-hmm. so they've, They've got some size, uh, and they've got Preston Williams as what their fourth receiver, who's also six foot five, and Lynn, Lynn Bowden is what five eleven, six foot. No, no, he's six one, no, six two, maybe. I think he's. Yes, uh, yeah, six foot six one. So he's over six foot. So, yeah, I mean, really, Tyree Kill, um, and, and Jalen and Jalen Waddle are the only smaller receivers on the team. Cedric Wilson's six foot two, or six foot three. So, really, Hill and Waddle are the only ones who aren't. And if if you lose one of those guys, you may want to insert a Calvin Austin in there. And the Dolphins probably still need a kick returner and a punt mm-hmm. returner. So, yeah, it's 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 possible, and we'll see. John Mechie is is if I'm going to point to one player and say, I would bet he's going to be a Dolphin in the third or fourth round if the Dolphins pick a receiver. For me, it's John Mechie. We've got the Alabama connection there, and. You know, with Hill and with Waddle, just, you know, it, it, absorbing those double teams, just getting a receiver out there who's six foot, 195 pounds, can play inside, can play outside, and just gets open and beats one on one coverage, that makes a lot of sense for me. And, and, and so all day, every day, I would take John Mechie there in the third round. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me for Austin or Mechie. And, you know, you can say all day in the chat they will not draft a five eight receiver. They might not, but it wouldn't shock me if they do. Uh, if you can play football, Mike McDaniel does not care. If you can do some special things and some fun things, doesn't care. So that's it's all about mismatches, that's for sure. And uh, offensive line has been a very big part of what the Dolphins have have done and are continuing to do here this offseason. We're going to talk about that in our next segment. Uh, exact date to be determined likely this week, but we're going to be churning out and completing all of these positional breakdowns here. Be sure to join us. If you can't join us live, take a look at YouTube or or iTunes and uh, be sure to keep the questions coming there. 
Uh, that's going to do it for our breakdown for the wide receiver position in the 2022 NFL draft. I'm Brian Cat NFL, Paulus Fanatic underscore pick. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan sided network. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.